the picture. Everybody's talking about the picture. It's the news, according to me. Good Monday morning, August 28th, coming down to the close of August. Very quickly here. 8.07 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, I am your host. Helping you begin the week, finish the month, close out the year, and say goodbye to all of your regrets. I don't know. I don't know what else. I'm just adding things on now. I'm just trying to... It, it felt like it needed to land somewhere. I just made something up there. The... Uh, it is a is a Monday morning, a brisk Monday morning. I think it's in the 60s here where I'm at right now. It's supposed to get up in the upper 70s, which is a little bit refreshing, except it's also a little bit annoying knowing that these nice days are soon going to be uh, longed for once again. Around January, <clears throat> when they stop talking about global warming for a while, Oh, look, the polar ice caps are melting. Yeah, they, they melt every year. The whole thing is, okay, granted, I'll give it this. Maybe the planet is warming. I seriously doubt that man is causing it. I, I seriously doubt that at all. Now, the reason is because there's also – because of solar activity – they just all these reports come out about all these other planets. Oh, look, Mercury is has all these things are happening on Mercury because of solar activity. The weather is changing on Mercury, not because man is running around there with SUVs, running, driving, burning fossil fuels. It's because of the solar activity. I think the sun has. So much more to do with what happens on our little globe here than what man can do to it. There have been times in history where it just, it just, yeah, well, see, this is, this is just where we're going. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go down this road because I, there's other things I want to talk about. Something that's very pressing. It's, it's very important, I think that we really need to take action on is to find out what's in my cup. And we're going to take action on that right now. We have uh, – because this is something we can actually do. It's just all this other talk is just talk about stuff. Solutions. We're going to talk about solutions a little bit later. But right now the solution is in my cup. It's a solution of uh, chai and creamer. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I have vanilla chai and vanilla – well, that's not vanilla creamer. It's, it's uh, Cinnabon creamer, which I'm almost out of, which means I get to start in on the other stuff. I hope here soon that the, uh, I think I also have Almond Joy creamer, I, th I think. Well, you know, it's, it's nice to have a, uh, an Apple watch. I have an Apple watch. I got the, whatever it's, what, the, the top end, whatever, the ultra, whatever it is, I don't know, ultra mega top notch bulletproof titanium synchronicity key. Popola pluculus, whatever it is, and I, and uh, because you know, because I, I, I need one. I, I haven't worn a watch in a long time. It's I don't I don't like jewelry at all actually, but I, I just I don't I haven't worn a watch in a long time. And 
on a whim, I bought this. I was thinking about you know, getting one. We're talking about getting watches and, and I went, well, will I really need it? Will I, am I really going to want this thing? And will I wear it? You know, will I care? Will I, will I want to wear it? It's cool. It's a neat little gadget, but I don't want to wear it. So, so I got this uh, little cheapy. It was like a $30 iWatch or whatever it was. Got it at Aldi's, I think, which is a grocery store. Tells you something about the quality of shopping I do for electronics. So <clears throat> I went to this uh, to get this thing. And I was wearing it for about a couple months. And I actually used it quite a bit. And what I, what I really found helpful was exercising and uh, some activities and just being able to, um, if my phone was nearby, this is, the, this is the thing about the other, you know, the watch technology. It, has, it was, had to be linked to my phone. So my, my phone had to be close by. Now, it would do things without my phone as well. But it, in order to actually engage with, email or any kind of text messages or that kind of thing. I had to have it close to my phone. So that was nice. And, and, I, and I found myself actually using it quite a bit, especially when I was, when I was uh, exercising and keeping track of some things. It, did, it didn't have a calculator on it, which I thought was kind of odd. Uh, at least I couldn't find one on that, on that particular device. So I ended up, um, I ended up getting an Apple Watch and I, the job I do, aside from this speaking thing, vocal stuff, is pretty much uh, it's it has a very it's a little bit of a technical job, believe it or not. And um, I have found I, I use the stopwatch and the the calculator quite often, well every day when I'm doing stuff. Now, yeah, I could pull my phone out and do it on there. However, it is awfully handy to just be able to reach down without even digging in my pocket or, or getting up out of my chair or my seat or whatever and just tapping a button and all of a sudden the, the uh, stopwatch starts, timer starts. Or being able to uh, – <clears throat> you can also do things with this thing. Um, you can actually link it to your photos, your camera, make it so that when you shake your wrist, it actually takes a picture on your camera and on your camera phone. And it's, it's, that's kind of a neat little gizmo. I mean, stuff like that's kind of handy to have. You can set the camera, you can set, the, set the picture or set the, set the phone anywhere you want to and then just make it take a picture. Uh, and it's, which is pretty, pretty convenient. Any little remote clicker like that. Now, having said that, uh, it also, I mean, I'm able to, uh, I've got the data plan on this one. So that means I can I can walk away from my phone, be you know way far away from my phone, miles, years, uh, light, light years away, and and I can. I do that occasionally. I go light years away from my phone, and I and I have um, the ability to actually send text messages and make phone calls from my, or, you know, talk to Siri occasionally. I need to know something about some trivial fact. You know, when was that bridge built? Uh, I need to know that. And uh, so that's the kind of thing that I think is. It's, it's, now, the other side of this whole thing is that the, the, the sad part about this is, and I'm going, to, I'm going to go down the conspiracy hole here for a minute. This technology is great and it's wonderful and it can be used for, for, to, to be helpful. Like yesterday, I was out on my sailboat and uh, apparently, apparently banged my watch against something. I don't know what I did. And all of a sudden, I looked down at my watch and it said, would you like, you know, do you want to call SOS or are you Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad I didn't accidentally bump the SOS thing. 
I didn't know it did it. And I said, have you fallen? Well, like, what do you think I am? Some kind of old man. It was, it was kind of shocking, actually, that, that it was it triggered something that thought I had fallen down. And then it asked me, did you fall down and you're okay? Or did you, did you not fall down? I said, I didn't fall down. What's wrong with you? So that's kind of a, uh, <clears throat> an interesting thing. Now, the, the, also another interesting thing, like if I, if I would fall, happen to fall in the water, it detects whether I'm in the water or not. And it's, if I were in the water, I could actually, even without my phone, I could push that SOS thing. I believe that it has actually ability to uh, transmit my location. Which is awfully cool, except when you look at it this way. I'm going to go down the conspiracy hole. I haven't gone down the conspiracy hole for a while. As promised, I will go down that way. So put your tinfoil hat on for a second. The double, the double layer one. Uh, farmers, back in the 80s and 90s, actually, actually back in the 90s, I think it was, late 90s, started developing the, the, on a commercial basis. They developed this little collar that they put around their cattle. I think you know where I'm going now. And when the cattle would go in to take a drink, it would trigger, it was like a little magnetic collar. And the, the uh, so the, when the cattle would go in and take a drink, they would, it would trigger this little counter. And of course, each collar had an identification number and they could tell which, which cow it was that was getting water or feed or whatever it was, whatever they were at, where they were at a particular location and would kind of check in. And they could tell, they thought this was a pretty, you know, neat thing because they could tell whether that cow was drinking normally or whether they were drinking too much or not enough to know whether they were sick or not. What kind of what their act, normal activity was throughout the day. And they, they, could, they were able to monitor this. They could look at a little computer, kept track of it all, a little spreadsheet. They had 100 cows. They could tell, you know, okay, we got, you know, 94 of them are normal. Six of them seem to have a problem. One of them hasn't taken a drink for two days. It may not be, he may be looking for him out in the field somewhere or her <clears> or <throat> Zer, whatever, whatever the cow's pronouns are. I don't, I don't know. So, so we have, um, like the cows are, you know, they had this, now they have, you know, identification tags that can put on all of them that track all kinds of things, much like my watch. I mean, when you, when you think about it, for 30 bucks, you can buy a watch that checks your heart rate, your, your oxygen level. The, the little iWatch would do that for me. It would check my oxygen level, my O2. Think about that. So it's able to do that through, you know, through your skin. Shining a light through there and checking your oxygen. I don't know how it does that. It's, it's all mystery to me. And then, and then you have this backup cup. Yeah, that's right. I haven't, I haven't talked about back. I've, I've got sweet tea. In my backup cup. Okay, so so this the other side of this technology is now we're all carrying around phones, which have the same capability to track everything we're doing, keep track of our steps, keep track of our health, how much we're eating, whatever whatever it is you're doing with all those apps you got on there. This is all gleaning information about the herd. We can tell where people are moving. Well, it looks like during this event, everyone went this direction or everyone went that that direction. It's, it's, they can track so much information now with the 
geolocating device that we're all wearing or carrying. And of course, having this thing on your wrist just makes it that much, even that much more because now they can, at a whim, they can track your heart rate, oxygen, your O2 level, your, uh, whether you're going up and down stairs, which, which your actual location is. They can't just see the shadow now. They can see the actual, you know, pinpoint location where you are. This is the kind of stuff that is a little creepy when you start, start thinking about how this could fall into a despot's hands and be used for a nefarious activity and evil activity. So this is the world where, you know, where, where it's going to be in 20 years. It just, you know, the technology now is available that was not available 100 years ago. And we had, you know, no idea even 100 years ago that things could become, you know, quite this pervasive. And I, and I don't know that, that, that there's any going back. I, I don't think we, I don't think we go we can fight, we can press back against this and resist it, and we can push back, but I, I think that the, the outcome is inevitable. Not that, not that we should stop, you know, I'm not trying to hold, you know, but at least we need to, maybe we can hold off for a couple more generations, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But I, but I know, you know, God has, has all this in, in his, it's not going to surprise God in any way. So we do what we can, but at the same time, we need to prepare for the inevitable outcome and not just close our eyes to it. And ignore. I think important, what's important about it is that we don't just ignore it. That we face it. Uh, just living in oblivion, living in denial is not going to solve any, cause any solutions. Speaking of solutions, <clears throat> I, I've, I think this is the question that when, when you get confronted by people who are on, on the woke side of things, and, I, and I'm not just talking about I'm not talking about gender stuff, but but the ra the racial issue. And I know, I know I've spoken about this several times. The racial divide with, with ethnic groups in our country, and then of course the, the the there are politicians left and right, but, but mostly on the left, who love to play this race card, ethnic card, divide us up into groups, pit us against each other, and say that they're they're help they're they're standing for you, the little guy. They don't care about you. They don't care about individuals. If, if they really cared about people at all, they'd, they'd care about individuals and individual rights. They don't, they don't care about that. They, they, they want to divide people up into groups so they can be part of protected groups. It's easier to manage. It's easier to control. Get people into the herd mentality. Now you're a nameless, faceless part of a mass. And this is... I think that the one question that we can confront people on this on this issue is, well, what is the solution for this? So there's so you say there's racism. You say that there's white supremacists out there lurking behind every bush. It's the number one national security issue that we have, according to our current DOJ, is white supremacy. It's the, the biggest thing we face right now is white, white supremacy. If you uh, look at this for what it is, 
and you and you ask yourself, okay, so how do we solve the problem of racism in this country? Ask them for solutions. Are reparations going to cause? Is that is that going to be the solution? Is is reparations? Is uh, I recently saw. I think it was Charlemagne the God. He was being interviewed. He was interviewing somebody. Um, can't remember who the guy was that he was interviewing. It, was, it might it might have been uh, Bill Maher, who has kind of come around. I don't I don't like Bill as far as. He, he still has some weird radical ideas. However, he's starting to realize that the, the stuff on the left is kind of going out. It's out of control and, and where, where it's heading. And this is, the, this is the thing. You always have to ask yourself, okay, if we go down this road, where, where are we going to be in 20 years? Where are we going to be down, down the road if we keep going in this direction? Where will it end and how, how will it end? And what is, what is the outcome going to be for most of us? Now, you look at this, this idea of reparations. You look at this idea of, of – Putting things supposedly okay, we're gonna we're gonna set things right by paying reparations. Okay, reparations. At what point do they end? Do you pay this generation? Do you pay the next generation? And do you pay a generation of people who now who who deserves it? Who gets more? If you're half and half, so you only get half the half the reparations. So you if you're one quarter of a person who now one of the little things that people don't realize. Back in the early, I think it was 1790, 1790 somewhere, uh, one of the reasons for the Barbary Coast being called the Barbary Coast, is that Tripoli, the Tripoli area? I think it is. There were about one and a half, when, when they were sailing, see the, the sailing ships would come down down around that way and because because the trade winds, they, you have the winds that are the, the Coriolis effect of the earth, all that stuff, the trade winds and the currents that are pushing the ships around and they would go from Europe and they would come down around uh, that, that direction and they would sail up then through the islands and come up from the – now there's a reason – for those of you who don't know, I'm just going to give you a little history here. On the west coast of, of America, of, of uh, North America, the southern – part of the ocean there in, in San Diego, LA, that, that area, the, the ocean waters there are much, much cooler than they are on the southern part of the eastern side of the country. In Florida, Florida waters are much, much warmer. The reason is because of the direction of the flow of the water, because in the northern hemisphere, about north of the equator, as well as your toilet, the air, the water flows clockwise. As the earth is spinning around, the water is moving. Now, they're saying that the, the water is only spinning around because of the glaciers. And if the glaciers melt, all of a sudden, the, I even saw a movie called, what was it called? The, the Day, what was it? Wasn't it the day after? That was about the nuclear thing. The, of course, that was a, uh, a fear mongering thing, too. There was a, there was a, what is it? It was a – I can't remember the name of the movie. Ugh. Drives me nuts when I can't think of that. It's, I'll have to look it up. Um, it was kind of a, uh, kind of a hokey movie. Uh, everything, everything all of a sudden froze. Global warming, global warming, global warming, and all of a sudden everything freezes. 
um, movie about climate change. Uh, what was it called? 10 best movies about climate change. Uh, where, where'd it go? Uh, let's see here. Uh, it's it's, it's got to be in this bunch here, probably. Celebrate and save. The movie's coming to Netflix. Don't look up. Captain Nova. It must be recent stuff, probably. David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. A boy, the boy who harassed the harnessed the wind, uh, fire chasers, uh, kiss the ground, the decline. No, I, it's not even in here. Um, it was it was like twenty years ago, and one of the things that happened during this movie, uh, during this thing, was one of their scientific, uh, you know, th th theories was that the the earth, the the waters stopped circulating. Because the temperature of the – they think that what's driving the – this is what just – it drives me nuts because these people are supposedly scientists. They're saying that what's driving the waters spinning around the earth, the currents, is because of cold water up north sinking to the bottom and pushing the currents around. And in the, the, in, the, in the north or in the south, they're heating up and driving it north. Um, no. That has about as much to do with the current as the fish swimming, wagging their tails. It's, it's, I, I, don't, I don't get how they, these – I'm not a weatherman. I'm not a meteorologist. I can't even spell meteorology. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a financial counselor. I'm not a life coach. A lot, of, not any of those things. But I understand enough about Coriolis that I, it's that's what's driving the currents here, folks. It's it's what drives the. That's why you have prevailing winds out of the west, sweeping across the country all the time in this in this country, in the northern hemisphere. It's because of the way. Because of the way that yeah, it's it's it just amazes me. They think that the currents are just going to stop. All the ocean's currents are just going to stop. Because of the temperature. This is bizarre. Now, when you, ask, so that when you ask them for solutions on this stuff, and John Kerry was just recently, I, I, I really need to get the, the audio for this because it's, it's quite telling. He says, basically, there's nothing we can do right now. We can could, we could reduce emissions to zero. And the Earth is still going to warm up. We're, we're, we're over the, you know, we're over the Great Divide. We're, we've already reached the, the pinnacle point behind the power curve, however you want to say it. The point of no return. Well, then what do we care now? But what are we going to do? Well, the solution is we, have, we need to create these devices that suck carbon out of the air. Now, keep in mind, that's exactly what most plants do. Most plant life thrives in high-carbon environments. Carbon dioxide is what they thrive on. Most planets, or most, most plants. Most vegetation, about 80% or a little bit more than 80%. <clears throat> and by the way, 82.5% of all statistics are made up on the spot. The, uh, the thing that they're, they're, 
they're, they're talking about here is creating these devices, these big machines that will scrub carbon dioxide out of the air, out of the atmosphere. Now, when you look at how much the percentage of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, let's, let's just look it up. Let's look it up. Percentage of carbon dioxide in air. Let's just take a look and see what this says. CO2 is only 0.04% of the atmosphere. Water vapor is 4%. Water vapor is the dominant greenhouse gas in our atmosphere. Point zero four percent is carbon dioxide. Now they say, they claim that, well, at, at times it's been up to it's it's been over uh, it's it's been four times that, or ten, I'm sorry, ten times that. Point four at different times in, in Earth's history. And when you ask. People like John Kerry, well, how, what's, what's the proper amount? There obviously has to be some. Plants can't survive without it. So there's got to be some. Well, there's no, there's no, and there's no real number, but can't, you, you can't nail the guy down to a number. Let's see if I can find that. John Kerry. Before Congress on climate change. Let's just see what that what comes up with that. Uh, here he is. This is it. Everybody knows it's happening. John Kerry defends climate agenda before. Uh, this is uh, John Kerry testifies for House Committee on Climate Change. I think this one is probably nobody voted for you, Brian Mastin, directly confront John Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I should just play that one just for the comedic uh, thing. I don't know if this – oh, this is USA Today. Is, uh, this is probably not going to be any good. Uh, it, is on, it is on YouTube, but yeah, I'm not going to play this whole thing. It's, it's, it's three minutes long. They're not going to play – they only play the part where he just has this little speech. Uh, Scott Perry accuses John Kerry of being a grifter. Yeah, this is, this is pretty good. Um, there, there are some things – I'll have to get some of this audio here. I'm, I'm going to keep this up so I can so – I can, uh, glean some audio here for the show for, for later on in the week. This week's going to be kind of crazy, by the way. So John Kerry, he goes on about this whole thing of, and which who, by the way, he looks like Lurch and he just, he does not looking good. He's got to be like, he wears a wig, by the way. He does, that hair is not his. He wears a toupee wig thing. And he's, uh, yeah, he, he does not look healthy at all. He's, he's just not looking good. So, so we have this, um, this craziness going on where he, he can't, he can't nail it down. You ask him a question. He can't, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. He, doesn't, he doesn't say he doesn't know. He just continues. Well, that varies between, you know, blah, 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 blah. What's the proper amount? This is science. We should know what the proper amount of carbon dioxide in the air is. Right now it's 0.04% of our air is carbon dioxide. Point zero four percent, and then you just scrub it. Now, what's going to power these devices? Oh, solar power. What's going to what? Where are you going to get the solar power from? Well, solar panels. 
and wind, of course, that are going to kill all the whales and all the fish and all the air. And all the, I'm sorry, all the uh, fowl in the air, the, uh, the, the, the birds, migratory birds smacking into these things. And it's determined now that this, these, these ones that they're putting out in the ocean because they don't want to have it in their backyard, putting them out on the ocean, those apparently are killing the whales because they're, they're, they're listening to the sounds that the that like you put this hydrometer in the water and you can hear this thing. Uh, just, just, you can hear them pounding away. Just like there's, whenever there's any kind of anomaly in the windmill itself, it just makes a, a tremendous sound. Of course, that just drives the whales nuts. Imagine hearing that all day long. Much like hearing my voice all day long. It's like a pounding. It's like a donk, 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 donk. That's kind of like, a, that's what it's like to hear me all day long. So I have a, a, a I'm going to get back to some other things here real quick. The solutions. What are the solutions here? Well, we need to carbon offset. We need to, we need to uh, you know, when, when Car John Kerry, for instance, when he is, confronted by the idea of whether or not he's, you know, flying around in a private jet, flying all around the world, talking about climate change. Is he, is, first of all, it, how long has he been doing this job? He's been doing it for years. What is it? What is, is he, has he been effective? Other than, you know, shuffling money around. Strong-arming people. This is, this is a tactic that gets used by the, by the globalists all the time. They, they, they love to strong-arm other governments into complying to their whatever they think is necessary. And they, they love to suck money out of one country and put it into another or continue to print money. It's all about the money with these people. Well, I, I buy carbon offsets. We purchase carbon offsets to uh, offset the carbon. So we're carbon neutral. We live a carbon neutral life. Because you can afford it. Because some, some arbitrary organization out there says, well, you've, you've done, you run this much carbon, so we're going to have to pay this much money. We'll offset the carbon by planting enough trees that need carbon dioxide to live, by the way. We're going to plant these trees over here. We're going to do this over there. Where's that, where's that money going? This is a sham, folks. It's another sham government agency that's going to start coming into effect. To effect, it's, it's really it's a world governance governance thing. This, this, the, the whole climate issue is going to become a world a dominant part of our world government. Look, look at the way they, the WHO and the, the other organizations, the World Health Organization, was able to creep in and start taking control of countries, simply based on this idea of a pandemic. All of a sudden, they had all kinds of control. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. So, so what's happening here is there, that the globalists and the deep state provocateurs and everybody else that's involved in this whole thing, it, you have to look at the spirit behind it because that's really what's happening here. It's, it's really what's going on. It's not just about what their agenda is. It's, it's what, they're, what, they're, what the people behind the agenda are really trying to do. Now, 
Let's boil this down to what's going on with Trump right now. Trump, sees, Trump I think, sees most of this. He sees the, the, the deep state. He sees, he's a little bit short-sighted, I think, in their long-term uh, goals that they have, their end game. And, and maybe you ha- almost have to be in order to have hope for <laughs> to keep going like this, I guess. It's, a, it's going to be a very bitter battle. It's a very, very difficult battle. Now, there are several people now prognosticating that you know, this whole thing with Trump, where they're going after him and the things that they're willing to do. And I, I've always said that the end justifies the means with these people, and that's, that's, their, only, that's their only underlying principle. As their main core ideology is the end justifies the means and the end is eradication of the Republicans, eradication of our constitution, eradication of the individual rights that we have in this nation. Unless you are of a particular protected class and then they don't care about you as a protected – they're only using the protected classes as a stepping stone to go after and dismantle what our country was founded on. They hate this country. They hate, they hate what our country was founded on. They don't like it at all. And they use words like imperialistic. They were imperialistic. They were colonists, colonizers. Well, that's, you know, anybody who migrates into this country illegally, typically it becomes a colonizer. They, they go into areas where they, they have family, where they know the language. And they develop a little colony. So you could say that they're colonizers because they're going into a place where they're comfortable and recognized and they can, they can live. That, that's kind of what's, what's happening here. So just to say that the colonizers, well, well the people who are alive today are not colonizers. It's like the, it's like Bill Maher telling telling Charlemagne the God, "Well, you're going to write a check out to who are going to write the check out to? We're going to write it out to him. He thinks you should treat black people like you treat F-18s or whatever. He's like you spent seventeen billion dollars on this. You should spend seventeen billion dollars on really? And is that is that every year we're supposed to pay this out? Is it one one time payout? Is it a, and who's who's paying it again?" And uh, exactly how how does that change anything? And this, this idea, he, he says, well, we literally built this country for free. We were the ones who built this country for free. Well, ex- excuse me. Uh, did you build the F-117s? Whatever, whatever airplane was he talking about, the F-17s? Did you build those? Did you literally build those? For free. See, see this idea that the that slavery slavery did play a, a huge part economically in our in our nation. But getting back to this whole, I don't know if I'm kind of been sporadically going all over the place here this morning. So it just it's like reading the Book of Revelation. You never, I'm just all over the place. the the uh, The Barbary Coast issue. I want to mention this. This is the whole slavery issue. It's estimated pretty accurately 
because of ship's logs. But there are about 1.5 million Europeans, Caucasians, who were captured by Muslims along the Barbary Coast and put into slavery in Africa. 1.5 million. Does anybody talk about that? Is anybody willing to talk about that? The slave count, let's look, let's look at this. Let's look at this real quick. Um, yeah, I don't know, the uh, 13, uh, it doesn't have it down here. It's, how many slaves are uh, 388,000. That's how many actually landed here, got, got here to the United States. Now, I, the... Uh, so, yeah, doesn't really, not really about three hundred, only a little more than three hundred thousand thousand captives, or four point four to six percent, came to the United States. The majority of slavery Africans went to Brazil, followed by the Caribbean. Significant number. See how many slaves landed in the U.S. This is talking about landed in the U.S. Twelve point five million Africans were shipped to the New World. <clears throat> that goes way against what. The other, the other estimates are, according to ship's logs, that approximately 10 million slaves lived in the United States. The uh, slave population. Results highlighted. Now, this is 10, 10 million slaves lived in the United States. Uh, according to this, one, 410 billion hours of labor. Now, um, I don't know how they calculate that all out, but uh, 10, that's way more. Now, the thing about this is 300, if, if 300,000 slaves came to this country, then they, that would have been their descendants as well. Uh, 10 million is extremely high. That's an extremely high number. And, and uh, the reason we know that is because we can back engineer this. In 1972, I believe it was, we had just reached the 200 million mark of people in the United States. In 1972, 200 million people. We're now just over 300 million. They're saying that there were 10 million. Actually, some of these say 12.5 million, more than that. So some estimates are up in the 10 million range. 10 million slaves in the United States. Um, this number, and now that we're supposedly supposed to believe now there's only 12% of our population is African-American. So if that's the case, and of course now the other, I, I believe that's it's just in a few years here, we're supposed to, the European ethnic group in the country is supposed to be a minority that all the other minorities will be will be more of them than there are of white people. So I guess we get protected class status at that point. 
but the uh, you know they're always telling us that it's not that much. This this is over five percent. If there were ten million people there back in, and think about the population of the nation back in. If it was two hundred million in two hundred two hundred years, almost two hundred years difference. Uh, let's, let's see what the population of the United States was. So I'll go, go here. Uh, population USA in 1790. There were 3,920,000. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, God. There weren't even 4 million people in the United States. Not 4 million people, but there were 10 million slaves. This, this is where the math does not work out. And this was, uh, even in 1840, it was still down there pretty, pretty low, actually. Wow. So just, everything, everything, all the numbers kind of show that, that they're right in that 4,000, 4, 4 million ballpark. 4 million inhabitants. And yet we're supposed to believe somehow that within that range of time, time of slavery in the U.S. that there was 10 million slaves here. This, this is the problem with, you know, this is why math is racist, apparently. Now, when we start thinking about so so solutions here, let's let's talk about solutions. What are the solutions? Now I, I, I know I've talked about this before, and I'm going to keep talking about it because that's what I do. I talk about stuff. It's my job here. It's on the show. It's not not my job on a regular basis, but it's my job on the show. What is what are the, what are the solutions? I, I still contend that the solutions are. They never talk about reconciliation. This, this is this is where I really really depress people on this issue when they start bringing this up. How are we going to reconcile this? What is going to be the final answer? How are we going to how are we going to dissolve this? How are we going to resolve it? How are we going to get rid of this issue of racism? At what point will the African American what, what do they need to make it right? To right this wrong? What, what can we do to right this wrong? How do we how do we move forward from here? And 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 have healing. How, how are we going to heal this? What's it going to take? Let's let's get an answer here, and we'll work. And I guarantee you, the American people will work towards it if it's something they believe in. Because what you will not hear these race baiters saying is anything about forgiveness. Grace, mercy, nothing, nothing about that at all. You will not hear them talk about wanting to resolve anything. They, don't want, they want no resolution from this. This is where they get their power. How dare you think that you can cure this issue because then, all, then, what, then what will happen? 
Now, let me just talk about this for just a moment here. This gets back to the whole premise of this whole thing. The picture of Donald Trump being incarcerated. The disgraced former president. I could play you an audio that's really disgusting in my opinion. It's this, this, I think it's a CNN anchor person talking about Donald Trump going to this prison. She, she's giddy. She thinks, it's, she, she thinks it's funny. He's going to this prison where just three people last month were killed in this prison. He's going to this prison. She thinks that's funny. Where there's violence committed here all the time. Because she is hoping he gets prison justice. These people, the end justifies the means. These people could care less, couldn't care less, I should say, I always say, if he were killed. They would love to parade his body around, drag it through the streets, like they did our soldiers in Mogadishu. They would just think that they were, the, they would beat their chest and call themselves the champions of the world. We defeated the, the evil orange man bad. And anybody who wants to stand up and be like him. Now, well, who's going to be the next bad guy? Whoever steps up on the Republican Party. Because it is not just Donald Trump. I've, I've, I know I've mentioned this before on the show. Pete Buttigieg, this is a perfect example, was being interviewed because Mike Pence was the former governor of Indiana and Buttigieg was the mayor of South Bend. He was talking about Donald Trump and getting rid of him and getting impeached and all this other stuff and getting him out of office. This was when Pete was running for president. And then Pete was asked the question, well, if we get rid of Trump, what do you think about Mike Pence? Oh, he's even worse. It wasn't, oh, he's almost as bad. He's just about as bad. He's even worse. You see, there's something worse than Trump. And it's whoever comes after Trump. That's what's worse. Because it's not about Trump. It's about what Trump stands for. And right now, the deep state, the powers that be behind the scenes, the ones who wield the power, who all of a sudden come up with all this, because you know, Clarence Thomas all of a sudden has become a very key player on the Supreme Court recently. And all of a sudden, all this dirt starts popping up on Clarence Thomas. Well, how long have they been holding on to this information? And who's been holding on to it? And how did they get it? See, the FBI has become, since, since, since 9-11, the FBI, after they signed all this stuff into action, the FBI became a, an intelligence operation from within the United States 
against the people of the United States. They were given powers that went just went off the charts. Basically, all the powers of the CIA, the NIA, the NRA, NAR, OSI, all all those companies, all those organizations, they're all they're all talking to each other now. The FBI can work with intelligence agencies from other countries as well. If the FBI can't spy on us, they just ask somebody, some other country to do it, which should be illegal, just like anything else. You can't if a if a country can't if a, if a government can't do something, they can't also hire a private contractor to do the same thing for them because they can't. That's the same thing as them doing it. If you can't give the notes of you at your in, in the presidential in a presidential meeting, you can't give those to the press. You also can't give them to somebody else to give to the press. Jim, uh, whatever, James Comey, whatever his name is, James Comey. So, I believe the, the end game could most likely and possibly be taking down Trump in not just eight. Well, here's, there's two things going on right now. And the Republicans better get their act. The Republican Party, and here's where, here's where we come into this, the problem of the rhinos, the problem with the establishment, is that we have to depend on the establishment to fight back against this stuff. And unfortunately, it's the establishment that's in control of much of it. The RNC, the Republican National Committee, pretty much dominates uh, the establishment pretty much dominates that, that organization, the leadership of that organization. Now, there is an attempt here in what they're doing with these lawsuits, these indictments. One of the, they're playing this like a chess game or a checkers game, really. But they're, what they're trying to do is maintain these indictments, even though you're innocent until proven guilty. There's two ways they can go with this. They can They can try to, to get a conviction prior to the election that they know they will lose on appeal. But the appeal may take longer than the election. So the ballots will have been cast, the election will have, have taken place, and then they'll lose on appeal and he'll, he'll be exonerated, most likely. But they will have achieved their goal of keeping him off of the ballot because in many of the swing states, the battleground states, they will, the powers that be, now think of what they did in, in 2020 with the pandemic, how the attorneys general, state attorney generals stepped in to change the election rules and had no problems with that, even though what they were doing was illegal, was outside the, their, their powers to do that. They will pull, I guarantee you, they will pull Donald Trump off of the ballot. Saying he's, in, he's an indicted, he's a criminal, he can't, be a, he can't be a candidate. We're not going to put him on the ballot. In several swing states. So-called battleground states. The Democrat Party will do that. I, I have, I, the end justifies the means. They'll, they'll do it. They don't care. And they don't care about the consequences. All that matters is the election gets done, and then they'll they'll never say, "Well, we can't go back and undo the election." It's, it's, election's done. It's done. It's, that's that's just set in stone. You can't change that after it's been done. Now, if it was them, they would do that. They, 
I'm convinced for the first two years of Trump's presidency, I am convinced most of them believe, especially when the Mueller report came out. I think they were expecting to say, Mueller was going to say, yes, he, he, he colluded with the Russians and he, he should be knocked down as president and Hillary Clinton was the real winner and she should be put in office. They, they would have had no problem with that. None. You'd have seen them waving the flags and the Democrat Party flags or maybe the pride flag. And they, they, they would have, whatever they would have, they would have had the banners and the balloons and everything. And they would have hailed, they would have put Hillary up on their shoulders and carried her around and then, until she got us into a nuclear war. And then, and then thought that was the best thing in the world for everybody. My little alarm is going off because it is time for me to go. I have a lot to do today. I've got some things to get done. But in the meantime, this is what I, this is what I see that their end game is, keeping him off of the ballot. That, that's their main goal. They've got to keep him off the ballot. And that will be the, they will have achieved their goal. Now, if they do that, I believe a lot of things are going to break loose. There, because here's what I see happening right now. There is a slide away from the Democrat Party right now among a particular demographic of our population. And that demographic is African-Americans. They are waking up to what the Democrat Party has been doing to them. I have seen more YouTube channels than ever before, in spite of all the shadow banning and everything else that's going on, who are waking up to what's going on. They are pressing into... what our founders established as individual liberties. Many of them have become business owners. Many of them have become community, very productive community contributors. And in the process of doing so, they're realizing the government is getting in their way. Much of the African-American community on the left does not necessarily like this woke stuff. They're starting to see that they're being used. That the Democrat Party really does not have their best interest in mind as an individual. And in order for them to get along, they have to go along. And they're standing up to that. And I'm seeing a, you see, watch, watch Biden, watch his car roll into Atlanta of all places. And people are lined up on the streets to yell. I'm not saying this is the right thing to do. They are not happy. Raising their middle fingers and shouting exploratives um, like I've never seen before to any president. If they lose, some estimates now are that the African-American community is going to vote for Trump 
upwards of 20%. If that is the case, they have lost this election. Now, if they take him off the ballot in the states that are predominantly have the higher populations, I don't know what's going to happen. But it may look like the summer of George, George Floyd may look like a walk in the park. I don't know. It's a deep concern of mine. Now, at some point, if it looks like he's going to win again, I don't know. First time they had an insurance policy. This time, I don't know what their insurance policy is going to be. But I guarantee you right now, there's people plotting and planning, saying we can't have this guy come back into office We know he's come because he's coming for us. We can't have some president stepping into office who weaponizes the DOJ and goes after his political opponents. We've got to save our skin. because saving our skin is saving the country. Because we are the country. We have to protect the institutions against such a man. Because we're here to protect the American people. We care about them so much. Yeah, I think not. He knows. He knows too much. And he knows how to do it. He can step in there on day one. Now, this, is, this is where no one else... I, I, I think that DeSantis really... And one of the things... You know, like I said, I like, I like DeSantis. I, just, I don't like the fact that he stepped in here at the wrong time. Now, one of the things, one of the issues I think he, he was dealing with here is he's term limited out of being the governor in, in Florida in two years. So, or another couple of years, which gives him basically two years kind of in limbo doing nothing if he wanted to run in 2028. And people are going to forget who he was. Now, I think there are things he could do in the administration. I think there are things he probably could have done in the administration in the, the last two years, like from 2026 to 2028. That would have given him that ability, or twenty, whatever. I think his term is over actually in twenty twenty four, as governor. Which is going to give him. It would have given him a time to work in the administration for Trump, and and establish you know whether he was whatever he was going to do. I don't know what he was going to do. He could be acting in some office, like Hillary Clinton. That's what Hillary Clinton did. Hillary Clinton stepped in. She made a deal. She cut a deal with, okay, Obama. Obama never liked the Clintons that much. He put her in a secretary of state. So she was in the news. She was up, up there in front. She was a, it was a big job. It was, you know, answered directly to the president. She screwed that all up because of her private server crap. And all the other people that got killed and everything else because of her. So they could, they could put Ron into a position like that. John Kerry was in that position. They're, they're always making these kind of deals. Thinking that she would be the next president. First, she became a senator in New York. Forget if you remember that. After, after they got out of the White House, she, she ran for Senate in New York. Senator Clinton. And then she became Secretary of State. And then she was supposed to, be step, she was supposed to step into the presidency. She was supposed to be basically inaugurated in after the Messiah left. And she didn't win. The left was crowning her before she got there. And she missed out. She lost out on that whole thing. So the coronation failed. 
What I'm here to tell you is, and what my concern is for this week and what we need to pray about, is that the Republican establishment hopefully does not have power to allow these states to, to leave Trump off of the ballot. That's what they're going to do. They're going to, they're, oh, look, we're going to fight. Oh, it's like, it's like running for the elevator and watching somebody look down like they're trying to find the button on the thing to stop the, the door from closing and they, they don't quite get it. Oh, no. Oh, this, oh, I'll try. And the door closes and they go away. No, they didn't really try it. But they could have done it, stuck their hand out there and it would, the door would have, wouldn't have gone shut. But they didn't do that. This is what this is what Republicans are going to, the establishment's going to look like there's, oh, we, we need to stop this. Oh, well, too bad. They, well, that's not going to happen next time. We're going to change the rules so they can't do that again. Well, they want, there won't be an, an again. I think the Republican establishment fails to understand that their party is going to be over with if they, if they allow the, the Democrats to keep doing what they're doing. Basically, it's, it's, it's hanging in the balance right now. It's, I don't know. If, if Trump is not able to get back into office, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously doubting whether the Republican Party, the Republican establishment, the Republican organization as a, as a, as a party will really have any kind of significance at all anymore. It's going to be a one-party system. Now, imagine if they are the, if they are the party in charge, and that's all they are. Uh, if it wasn't for the Republicans right now, where would this country be? They're talking about lockdowns again. Where's that going to lead us to? How's that going to work out? <laughs> Crazy stuff, folks. Crazy stuff. Well, folks, I want to uh, thank you for being a part of this show this morning again. So my hour is up. I, I really I was planning on a half an hour show. Uh, that, where'd that time go? I don't know. So pl- what you need to do is play this on double speed two times the speed, and then that way it'll be at a half-hour show. But you'll get an hour's worth of content. Commercial-free, except for my little chai commercial thing. Folks, pray for our nation. Pray for our uh, our understanding of what needs to be done and where we need to, to act. What's, what's important for us to do right now? If we need to do what we need to do, when we need to do it. Timing is everything. If you live in a swing state, if you live in a uh, battleground state, I would advise you to get involved, not just to talk to your RNC chair chair people, but get involved and pray for them. Find out what's going on. God bless everybody. Have a great week. Hopefully I'll get to talk to you tomorrow morning.